I was thinking something like a B movie, maybe. Uh. <laughs> Um, or is that or is that popular uh, enough? But that's the show. Thank you for coming, everyone. No, c'est ce que je disais. We were to that this is la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow. This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil. I remember quite clearly, it was 1946 and I was four years old, my mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. You've got to say, I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! Babel, Alejandro González Iñárritu. I'm a man! Well, nobody's perfect. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Lea, and Abdel, Abdel, We won! Oh, it is not over. We must continue. Oh! Oh, I did not know that. Hi everybody, welcome to the Filmotomy podcast. This is episode 74 and we're rewinding back to 2007. We've got a special guest joining us today. Kevin, say hello and tell me where you were in 2007. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be invited. Uh, I'm honored. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk movies with you guys. Uh, where was I in 2007? Oh gosh, I must have been uh, some middle school student who just was really into Harry Potter at the time <laughs> and really into really into Pixar I guess <laughs> and also joining me is Robin hi Robin hello where were you in where were you in 2007 where was I in 2007 um, it's quite interesting actually because of my my wife I met in 2008 so this was kind of when we met we watched a lot of these films when they were out like on DVD or you know able to stream or whatever back then so was, this is quite a nostalgic year for me. So in 2007, I was unmarried, had no children, and I was trying to make it as a blogger. So some things haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And last but not least, it's Joel. Joel, where were you in 2007? Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, well, in 2007, probably I was in seventh grade. Uh, I probably was doing the line to get the seventh Harry Potter book, uh, which was released on se July 7 of 2007, for those who don't know. In uh, Christmas of 2007, I had an inflamed abscess and was in uh, hospital. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Um, that's it. That's, oh, no. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty awful. Um, and uh, my face swelled up like the elephant man, so... Uh, but I remember reading Empire magazine and uh, that was when I sort of started to get into movies because uh, the year after that I decided I was going to go and study film uh, in university afterwards. So there we go. Maybe that was fate. Who knows? 
So yeah, 2007. That was a quite a good year for for films. What did we have come out in 2007, which were the big ones? Uh, big ones. Big well, yeah. Just no country for old men. Yeah, yes, no country for old men won best picture. Mm-hmm. Atonement. Ratatouille blew my mind when I first saw it that year. Yes, that was such a good film. Yeah, uh, Robin, what else was there? Well, I think the three big films were the No, no Country for Men and There Will Be Blood and Zodiac. Um, sort mm-hmm. of three heavy, heavy adult, crimey films, which in any other year you would, you would get that, I don't think. There's always like a blockbuster, there's always a, a family film or something, or a Spielberg, but this year was like... It was kind of alternative. The Oscars went for these films, not Zodiac. Um <laughs> So it was like really interesting year for the Oscars also the alternative thing we're doing today. The Oscars kinda went a bit alternative as well. Um and I like that. Now I think this is possibly the best year since two thousand. This is probably for film. I might be wrong, but I think the consensus would agree. There's been some films that um are probably not as well known as uh the other big ones. Um so let's let's talk about those ones. Um I mean, let's let's go. To, let's Cannes just finished, so let's go to Cannes. Mr. President, who is the winner? Which it's film? It's an honor to give the Palme d'Or to four months, three weeks, two days. It it looks a little bit to me like in a fairy tale, to be honest. Uh, some one year ago, we didn't have any idea about this project. And some six months ago, we didn't have any money to make it. And finally, we were uh, just hoping that we're going to be in Cannes in any kind of competition, any, anywhere, you know. So I just want to thank very much the jury for this. Thank you. Uh, I think everyone kind of should know it, but it won the Palme d'Or. Uh, who, who's seen that one? Oh, yes. I have, yes. I haven't. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. That's oh, oh, all right. But you just, we just stop the podcast. And, I'm a kid. Uh... You just come back cup of tea and come back later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'll be here. Right, okay. I can comment anything. So Kevin, no worries. Kevin, do you want to start us off with that one? What, what, what are your thoughts on this movie? On four months, three weeks, and two days. Hmm. Must have seen this film. Uh, probably two to three years ago. Uh, I was on this campaign to watch some of the films a while back that I must have missed and one definitely caught my attention I believe it's a film that I think it just gets better and better over time probably because the topic and the premise is just so relevant I'm also a sucker for fly on the wall cinema which is exactly how this film kind of plays out it's just 24 hours of these two women they're trying to make uh, pull off this illegal abortion and the film never leaves these characters, and it's stunning, it's devastating to watch. It's also a tale of friendship and what, uh, what one woman is willing to do to help out her friend. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, really performances good, really good are... Screenplay as well, the, the writing is so... The conversations that the, the guy has with them... And, this is this is a situation where you go this down this path or this path. It actually turns it into almost like a horror. Oh yeah, it's social, yeah. Social, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it's just a glorifying. Yeah. It, nothing spectacular. It's just 
very calm. This is how it is, and it, it stays like that right to the end, and it just like just jabs you every now and then. It's, as I said, yes. my, my film of the year. Uh, just. I think one of the most um, amazing components about the film is uh, the the camera work. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, the the director uh, Christian Monju. Hopefully, I pronounced that name correctly. <laughs> I I admire how he was willing to just let the camera sit there, um, and it was to me it was edited in a very organic way. He doesn't cut away from he he would let the shot sit there because if you cut, you end up cutting performance and. Mm. He was willing to let the camera just sit and observe, and it's almost like these characters are real people, and you are there to, you're there with them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree, and I I think as well the use of space in in the film. We were in really sort of claustrophobic rooms. Um, the hotel scene is, you know, I, I believe it's all. It you know takes place in one room for quite a long time, and there's no sort of escaping that sort of claustrophobic feel and atmosphere. And for me, one of the scenes that I really does stand out is is the din- dinner scene where uh, and it's just full of loads of people and all sat around a table and they're all talking and um, and it sort of uh, it sort of they sort of had to go like. Um, endure really um, so it's a really sort of interesting use of how and, um, I really find that like you say that fly on the wall technique for this film really works and I think helps um, to strengthen the, the film's overall impact Yeah, that seems like when you're at a Christmas party or something but you want to be anywhere else <laughs> and it makes you feel like that and you know exactly yeah. you know, even if you, you don't have to have had an abortion or know anything about it to, it just gives you that feeling that she just does not want to be there and she almost isn't there because like everything else is moving around her and it's just great yeah yes it, a film directed almost in real time yeah. where, where the narrative just exists in the present and you learn about the the surprises and the the moments of devastation, you experience them the exact same time the characters experience them. There's nothing, um, uh, how should I describe it, uh, overly decorated and cinematic about it. And that makes it very raw, gritty, in the moment, and absolutely memorable. And she's terrific in it, the lead actress. She's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, they're they're all they're all terrific. Even that uh, that scumbag of a man who was willing to help them. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. Perfect. That's a that's a really good film, and I I, I don't think it's one that really gets talked about. So yeah. definitely recommend that. So excellent pick there, Kevin. Is there anything that you would like to recommend to listeners? Yes, for uh, for the moviegoer who likes to enjoy a good blockbuster, big budget, and some nice special effects and good performances, I recommend Stardust, since uh, almost nobody talks about this movie. <laughs> at least on at least on film Twitter, nobody talks about it. And uh, and I always think, but how could you miss one of Robert De Niro's greatest performances? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Turn Oh, that went well, I thought. 
Now, tell me news. My beloved England, I want to hear absolutely everything. Hang on, I, I can't believe your crew fell for that. Where in God's name did you get that mannequin from? Oh, it works every time. An ounce of bargaining, a pinch of trickery, a soupçon of intimidation. Et voila, the perfect recipe for a towering reputation without ever having to spill one drop of blood. Ever tried to get blood stains out of a silk shirt? Nightmare. Right. I, I still don't understand how they won't recognize Christian me. Christian Jaboy, when I'm done, your own mother won't recognize you. Now, we've no time to waste. We have only two hours before we make port. First and foremost. It'll be so good to see you out of those dreary clothes. So very small town errand boy, howlingly parochial. He's brilliant in it. I just, uh, I remember going to the cinema with my friend and when that scene comes on, uh, uh, we were just looking at each other and going, that's Robert De Niro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to split. So I really want people to go go check it out. But there's, there's a moment in the film where you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yes. So yeah, it was Ma amazing. Matthew Vaughn is a really good director. He, he's he's an. Ex I, I think Matthew Vaughn is a very underrated director in terms of what he brings to the table for blockbusters. And I'm sure a lot of uh, I'm sure a lot of people would recognize Matthew Vaughn as the guy who did Kick Ass or Kingsman and X Men First Class. But really, I fell in love with the guy from uh, ever since he did Stardust. Because I thought uh, he captured this perfect balance of wonder, world building, and parody, really. Uh -huh. And uh, he, he also juggles this perfect sense of danger, since uh, Michelle Pfeiffer gives this incredible performance as, uh, as a witch. And she really is dangerous. And, but at the same time, there's such a amazing... Uh, amount of humor and charm and it's also romantic too and I, I think it has everything uh, a family would want when they get together and, and watch something fun entertaining relaxing yeah definitely I that's such a good film I really I think it's like uh, our version of uh, Princess Bride in a, in a lot of ways ah that is a very good comparison yeah yeah Oh, nice. Oh, some Stardust love. I like that. Um, <laughs> um, so, anyone else want to come out with a, with a recommendation? Joel? Well? Gerald Olin, manager of the Dolphin. I can just get the key to 1408. In the 95 years of the hotel's existence, there have been 56 deaths in 1408. 56? No one's ever lasted more than an hour. Ah! <gasps> Yes, it's yes. one, I think, one of the most underrated uh, horror films ever made, uh, or at least from the 2000s, I think. Um, when I first saw this film, uh, I was, like, changing channels, I uh, was looking for something to watch, and there it was, John Cusack reading a book, uh, trying to get to a hotel to investigate if it has ghosts or not. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a, you know, a regular John Cusack uh, <laughs> trying to be funny, I don't know, whatever. So I sit down, watch the film, <laughs> and while it progresses, I was like, oh my God, this is good. 
this is actually good. <laughs> oh my God, this is scary. Ah! And it's not so, funny. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I thought I was going to watch a comedy movie and then it's like, oh no, this is real horror. Okay, let, let me sit down. Let me, let me, let me sit straight. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a, 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 a good surprise, you know, uh, because I haven't heard from the film, uh, uh, like when it came out, it, it, it had like positive reviews and said, but I was, you know, I was little back then, I was in seventh grade only, so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't watch it in the, in the theaters. So when I was a little older, I watched it and I was surprised of how good it is, how good it uses suspense to scare you. Uh, it doesn't uh, depend on jump scares or anything like that, even though it has like uh, two or three of those, but it depends more on the story. Uh, mm. It's basically a psychology reader. You think about it, uh, because it 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 makes up makes us care for the character of John Cusack, uh, and I think that's that's great. He did a great job in that, uh, and his performance is very good. Surprisingly, because lately you know he has made uh, questionable decisions, uh, and Samuel Jackson as the owner of the hotel. Uh, it's you know it's Samuel Jackson. There's no nothing to add to that. Uh, and there's a lot of endings to this movie. I think there's like three of them. Oh. I have seen two only. Uh, I haven't seen the third one. But I think the director Scott is the one is the one that works best for me. Uh, for those interested. Hmm. Which and which ending was that on one? A... Oh oh spoilers. Uh, <laughs> is it the one with the car? Or, is the one uh, with the car or the one with the recorder? Uh, it was the one with the recorder, actually. I think. Oh, uh, then I then I'm in complete agreement with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not with that spicy <laughs> idea, I mean, I, 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 Is it the book <laughs> or the pen? <laughs> <laughs> the recorder, you ruined it for me. It's, it's a great ending. Uh, so yeah, I leave it. At, I leave it at that. And isn't it based on a Stephen King story, I believe? Yes. yes. It's, it's a short story, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's unbelievable that that year we had two great uh, yes. Stephen King adaptations. So I think mm. I'm going to let you the microphone on this one, Bianca, because we want to talk about that. One. I do. I, I was hoping that you were going to sort of like let me go into this one. Um, of course. <laughs> I, I want to recommend The Mist possibly like 1408 is a great horror film but that's more supernatural um the mist really does it uh, deals with like the horror that it is inside us all um and like what happens when all order uh, breaks down and people are turning uh, on each other and uh if we're talking about endings i think the Mist has one of the best endings ever in mm-hmm. cinematic history. Like, Jesus Christ, when that ending comes around, I really don't want to give anything away, but, like, it just left me just... I didn't know what to do. It was completely speechless. It's such a good film, isn't it? Like, uh, everybody's performance in that film is so good as well. Uh, the woman who goes, uh, is it um, Marisha Gay Harden, yeah. I believe? Marsha Gay Harden, Marcia, yeah. Yes, yes, sorry. 
Don Quixote. She is really, really like scary. As a, as villains go in a film, she is absolutely terrifying. No one's interfered with you. All we're asking for is the same privilege. You heard him. It is these people who brought this upon us. They, people who refuse to bend to the will of God and claim it privilege. Sinners in pride. Yes, haughty, privileged. They mock us, they mock our, our God, our faith, our values, our very lifestyle. They mock our humility and our piousness. They piss on us and laugh. It's from them. The blood of human sacrifice must come. From them, the blood of expiation. The, the monsters aren't the ones outside in the mist, uh, the people who are trapped in, in the store. Um, so I, I just love yeah. that. Uh, so good. The fact that Stephen King said that um, uh, he wished he'd written the ending uh, because the, the short story doesn't end the same way. Um, it just shows you how much he really sort of gave that film his blessing. So. I'm a real sucker for films with one single location because normally mm, what happens is that one single location almost starts to become a, a metaphor in a way. I mean, going outside of 2007, one of my favorite films in 2014 was Snowpiercer. And yes, with yeah. that entire film took place in the train and then the train ends up representing something much more than that. And I thought the supermarket in the mist was almost like that as well. It's, it's really just putting up a boundary for human society in a way. And I, I thought it, the film drew a very interesting parallel between the inside of the supermarket and what's out there in the, in the mist. Uh, but yeah, I'm, Sorry, that was a very pessimistic pick. It's <laughs> a doom and gloom so far. We've had abortion. We've had haunted hotels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd say nothing yet. No. Let's move on to some happier picks. Has anyone got something that isn't so depressing? <laughs> no. Well, um, actually, it's a really dark year. Uh, Emmy on, on Twitter, when she watched the, the video that we did, the video countdown. Said, uh, I think she used the term emotional violence, a year of emotional violence. And I think she's kind of captured it there. And all the films I've got here, the, that emotional violence, so it's a really heavy year. You know, we're not going to talk about Hot Fuzz or Ratatouille probably, because <laughs> they were super, super well known. So even like the big films and the films that we're talking about, I've got this really heavy psychological, emotional you know, like Joel said, you know, the abortion and, you know, I've got more death to come, you know, horrific events, but I, I don't have anything happy, I don't think, honestly. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Ca Caramel by Nadine, Nadine Labaki is set in Lebanon, but it's it's a very, very sort of nice film, very pleasant, and she makes, like, it's a story of women and she, she makes it really colourful and... Gives it a really comical edge, even in, in spite of the where they where they are. 
and the state of that country, you know, but really goes for the positive within humans. So, I mean, that's the, probably the most positive I can recommend. Uh, everything else is very bleak. Go oh, on, uh, Yeah, let's... What's across the universe? Well, it's a film. It's a musical film, actually, that uh, it, it turns around uh, on the Beatles music. It's, it's like it's based on music made by the Beatles. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. What the hell was that? There's nothing you can make that can't be made. No one you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. It was good. I like it quite a lot. Uh, I sang along because I know uh, most of the Beatles songs. I, I'm a huge fan of them. Uh, but I don't know uh, to you guys who have seen it. Uh, I have issues with the female characters of the film. Mm. Okay. I thought they were written like dumb characters. Like, some of the decisions they make in the film are really questionable. And I was surprised to learn that the director of the film is actually a woman. Mm. Because I thought all this time, while I was watching the film, I was like, oh, this must be directed by a man. Definitely. But in the end, like, when the, the credits go on and say the name of, of the director, I was like, oh, shoot, it was a woman. What happened here? So I have many questions on that. But if you ignore that, the film is good. Uh, the music is amazing. The choreographies made throughout the film are great. Um, I like the editing a lot because it's very continuous. It's very fluid. Uh, it doesn't feel like, um, how do I say it? Uh, it feels like, like a continuous shot in some moments. And the camera work uh, was really good too. The framing, how, uh, the of colors, everything. Everything in the technical aspects, I think the movie shines a lot. Uh, my biggest issues were uh, how they wrote the female characters. What I kind of love about Across the Universe is the fact that it's got a cameo appearance from Bono. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that one too. <laughs> That's true. I just yeah. don't want to spoil it to people, so sorry. <laughs> he sings, is it I Am the Walrus? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just great. So. It was amazing. It was an amazing moment. And for a moment, I, because, you know, I'm such an ignorant of music, I thought he was Ringo Starr. I went, oh, Ringo Starr, here this movie. And when I look <laughs> in the credits, oh, no, that's Bono. Oh, my God, it's so awful. Uh, <laughs> apologies so, to yeah. Ringo Starr. <laughs> yeah. Well, apologies to Bono, I would say. 
But um, anyone else want to chip in with a recommendation? Yes, uh, I, I've got one. Um, I think a lot of uh, people I talk to don't watch enough animated films. I mean, they, certainly they, they watch all the popular ones from Pixar or DreamWorks, but when it comes down to picking an animated film and having it be in my top 10 best of list, I tend to pick the ones that are not mainstream. And for 2007, I, I love Ratatouille, but it actually was not my favorite animated film that year. My favorite animated film was Persepolis. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, what I really love about Persepolis is it, it takes such a relatable, intimate story of coming of age and finding your own identity and your relationship with your own culture. And they place it in in the backdrop of a real historical event, the um, revolution of 1979. And for me, I, I'm, I'm of Chinese descent. There's very little in the film that I can culturally relate to, but at the same time, it's, it's the main character, Marjane. She's written to be anyone's neighbor, really. It, it, could, it could be someone that I, I know in real life. And, and, and she contributed, the real Marjane contributed to the making of the film. And I think that's part of what made the story and the, the dialogue so personal. Um, and on top of that, I think the film really demonstrates, I believe, the power of animated films and the advantage they have over live action films in a way, which is when you're, when you have the freedom to draw whatever you want, you can really create some of the most unique, uh, quote unquote, camera movements and editing techniques. You know, you can, you get to exaggerate certain human features or certain settings to evoke an emotion. And some of those techniques would not work in live action, but they work immensely well in the animation. I think Persepolis is one of the best animated films I've ever seen, and not enough people talk about it. No doubt about that. Mm, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, um, it was Robin who sort of suggested that I watch it for my... Uh, I'm doing something for Filmotomy called Around the World in 80 Films. Mm-hmm. Like when I came across it, I, I was just really blown away by it, and it, it's such a, a for when people say that animation is just for children, um, and then won't go out and watch these films because they they think oh it's animated, um, it's a real shame because it's it's a it's a great film about sort of finding your identity and and. Um, and sort of embracing your your culture and, and your your history. So I, I really highly recommend it. And it's so, funny. And it's really yeah. funny. It's, but yes. genuinely funny without mocking like Iran or, or anything. It doesn't take the piss. It's very it's like it is like a, like you said, like a, almost like a video diary. That mm. it's so personal and there's, there's like swearing in it but it's so funny without it sort of degrading the culture. It's just small. It is. it's it's perfect. Is. You know what she told my brother? She told him she was French. No. She did. I'm serious. And your brother believed her? Are you kidding with that face? Who'd ever believe she was French? (laughs) 
Was your brother trying to pick her up? As if, no way, come on, she's a total dog. I'd kill myself if my brother went out. Shut the hell up, you stupid sluts! That's right, I'm Iranian, and I'm proud of it, all right? It has, some, it has probably my favorite montage of someone getting older. <laughs> yeah. the, the animation there is top-notch. And to address the, um, those folks who think animation is for kids, those people have clearly never seen Persepolis. They've never seen Waltz with Bashir. They've never seen Mary and Max. Or Grave of the Fireflies. I mean, you know, there are so many great animated films out there. I really recommend so... Yeah, at, at this point now, whenever yeah. someone speaks ill of animation, I feel like I'm I'm Peter Porker from Inner Spider-Verse. I just walk <laughs> up to them and I go, you got a problem with cartoons? <laughs> <laughs> I want to just give out a, a shout out to another quick um, film that, from 2007, which was sort of animated, um, which was Beowulf. Um, oh, yeah. Whoa. Oh. That was an incredible <laughs> film. Like, do people like it here? Um, I, I, I don't like it. You don't? I found it very mockable. Consider what I've just said about Persepolis. This one was like, quite, I found it quite amusing. But uh, I put Beowulf in the same camp as movies like Sky Captain and the World Tomorrow, and that <laughs> they are admirable experiments that don't really work, but people should see it because of what the filmmakers were trying to do at the time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's it's so, yeah. like, scarily real in a lot of ways that you just have to sort of, like, is this animation? Oh, my gosh. But it, it <laughs> it's um, it's an epic failure, but it's working out. <laughs> but, it's, so. but it's epic all the same. <laughs> it's epic, yeah. yeah. It's epic in all the wrong ways. <laughs> um, talking about films that failed at the box office... Um, one of the films that I want to mention is Sunshine, uh, the Danny Boyle film uh, set in space uh, about um, the end of the sun and shooting a nuclear weapon into the sun to, to make it work again because that's the best plan that we've got. But the film completely flopped at the uh, British box office because during its release... Britain was going through a um, heat wave, uh, so I did catch Sunshine, and it was amazing. And it's probably I think Sunshine was uh, it was one of the first science fiction films I've seen that was not action driven, yes. and I remember it being a breath of fresh air, and uh, I, I remember thinking, "Wow, what a cast!" And it's not a blockbuster. That's that's strange. You, you know, you've got Killian Murphy, Rose Byrne. You've got Chris Evans before he was Captain America. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you also have uh, Michelle Yeoh, Cliff Curtis, Hiroyuki Sanada. Like, this, this is a very strong cast. And yet, really, it's a film where you're just spending time with, um, with these characters trying to um, save the dying sun. It's, a, it's kind of grim at times, but Danny Boyle directs it with such flair. I, I remember, I remember uh, he does an incredible job at putting meaning inside visuals through many focus. Uh, I, I remember a lot of the shots are intentionally blurred, mm. and I remember it evoking something very claustrophobic. And it was, it was a very unique experience for me at the time, and I can definitely say it was a significant step for me towards appreciating science fiction films that are 
more drama or thriller than uh, blockbuster action. By the time you get this message, I'll be in the dead zone. Uh, it came a little sooner than we thought. But this means that you won't be able to send a message back. So I just wanted to let you know that I don't need the message because I know everything you want to say. <laughs> just remember, it takes eight minutes for light to travel from sun to earth, which means you'll know we've succeeded about eight minutes after we deliver the payload. All you have to do is look out for a little extra brightness in the sky. So if you wake up one morning and it's a particularly beautiful day, you'll know we made it. But any any other films that we want to give a shout out to? Well, I think I'm going to have to men mention another Sunshine film. Very, very different film um, called Secret Sunshine. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but we're back on the heavy side now. It's um, Lee Chang Dong who made um, Burning last year. Oh, uh, right. Poetry, and he did um, Peppermint Candy. You know, so he makes very heavy films, and this one is like no different. Um, the first half is like a mother and her son, and then something happens. And the second part of the film is it's just a completely different film, and it's just. It's so good, and we saw with Banding that this guy can. This this isn't as sort of slow as as that, and I mean that in a good way. But Banding was like really sort of crawled along, and that was part of its kind of appeal. And that's what this is like. If someone's suffering or someone's upset, you, you're gonna stay with them and experience it. Is uh, is a brilliant filmmaker. Absolutely, I'm surprised. Like people, it took Banding for, for him to be put on the map. With like, f I'm talking film buffs. Didn't even know who this guy was. The actress in it, John uh, Dion, I think you pronounce her name. She won Best Actress in Cannes. She's barring Marion Cotillard for the Vion Rose is, is the best performance of the year. Uh, heartbreaking. Oh, sold. Heartbreaking. Um, and if you like that kind of, if you like Burning, you know, it's a very different film, but you can see the the directors just, just kind of weaves it in front of your eyes. And that emotional violence thing as well. This one really suffers, and she dictates like how one minute she's there's one scene where she just screams out loud. There's another where she just comatose and just ignores people. I'm not going to give anything away, but a breathtaking just for that performance and that director. And you need to see the rest some of his older films as well. So I have not seen Secret Sunshine. No, neither but, have I. Uh, recently, I've come to realize. Um, there are some incredible films that are some of the best portraits of grief that I've ever seen. And I've been very late to the bandwagon, but just this month I finally saw Three Colors Blue. And I realized what an amazing film in capturing grief and isolation. And I kind of told myself I should consider watching some other ones. And so Secret Sunshine was on, uh, was on my watch list for quite some time. And uh, I am a big fan of Burning. I love the slow narrative because I thought everything was carefully put together and done with intention. And so, yeah, now that you've recommended it again, uh, I'm pushing this ahead. 
Nice. So, um, anyone else got some relations they want to just um, throw out there at all? I got one more I can, I can throw in if enough time. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about my favorite film of 2007. Probably one of my favorite films of all time. That would be The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Nice. Um, this film floored me when I when I saw it. Um, Andrew Dominic, you're you, oh, you are a genius in capturing what folk tales have done to people. What the the way Western culture looks at celebrities and public figures, both famous and infamous, and there's nothing. Uh, pretentious about it it's it's one of the few films where i thought the narrator elevated the film and um roger deakins i love you i know i I, i'm proud of you for winning the oscar for blade runner 2049 but really if i were the one voting in the academy jesse james should have been the one you won the oscar for yeah it was twice that year as well wasn't he it was it was a hell of a year. Yeah, yeah. Cinematography speaking, because there will be blood. You know, he had the entry for all men. Also, we had atonement. We had uh, Zodiac. There were so many films that were greatly photographed that year. I don't use the word poetic often, but I think Jesse James is a very poetic film, and a lot of it comes from the direction the cinematography, the musical score by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis is incredible. There's there's this sense of nostalgia for past stories, past legends, but conducted with some sort of somberness to it. The, the performances from the cast are incredibly underrated here. Brad Pitt, Casey Affleck, Sam Rockwell. Uh, I, I know everyone says Casey Affleck's best performance is Manchester by the Sea, and that may that may be true still, but wow, I loved him in this, and he he plays an incredible foil to Brad Pitt's Jesse James. And Brad Pitt is for me, he was the MVP of the movie. Like he's so scary, <laughs> he's terrifying. I I have never seen. Uh, performance from from him like that. I was uh, all the time was like, oh my god, Brad, Brad Pitt can can do this to me. He can scare me <laughs> because I have really I have never seen. There's a particular scene like in the middle of the film that that was the moment that cemented for me. That was like, damn, no, he he deserves all the awards. But uh, ironically, he didn't get nominated that much that year. Yeah. No one. Affleck did, didn't they? Affleck yes, did. Yes, Affleck did. And, and I think it's also one of the best screenplays of the year. It's it's not Agreed. as talky of a film. Like like we were talking, No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood. It's certainly not as talky as There Will Be Blood, and um, not as talky as Zodiac. But I think I think Jesse James is a film that uses its dialogue sparingly because a lot of its meanings and ideas they're conveyed through the directing the the musical work and honestly a lot of the talking comes from the narrator and again i think it works because the narrator speaks in this future tense he uses a lot of will be or there won't be and 
<laughs> Honestly, the last 30 minutes of the film really hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Uh, it's also not, it's just not appreciated enough on a technical level either. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, I think the train robbery sequence in the film ought to be taught in every film class. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, 2007 um, was a very good year. And there's been uh, like some really visual films, uh, and uh, I, I just want to quickly recommend a film which probably isn't a very good film. It's quite, I would say, an average film with that. Uh, but I love it because it's so bonkers, uh, and that's the number twenty-three, which is about Jim Carrey going crazy over a number. It's such a weird film, like. The premise of it, it, it sounds great, and it would probably would have worked better as a short short film, maybe. But then it just becomes complicated, and the fact that um, they try and pass him off as a college student in in a flashback, <laughs> it's, clearly, it's clearly not like in his twenties. He's like in his forties, and you're just like, um, yeah, don't just because you dress him in young young people's clothes uh you know we can see the wrinkles okay what kind the, of... the truman show as well when they put the, like the college kit on him uh, yeah. so, so he's 18 now but he's <laughs> put a backwards uh baseball cap on him yeah. and, and laura that... lily had like a ponytail and a cheerleader dress on she's 18 as well they need a... <laughs> um but I, I don't know what it is about that film i just go it's so bad it's good it's not bad. Yeah, we watched it. My wife and I watched it, and we we generally recognise bad, but we actually thought this was okay. You know, it's quite I think twisty and clever. Yeah, the first half of that film and he's works really good in for it. me. He's, yeah, like, Jim Carrey's really taking that film seriously, and he's quite a, he's a very good dramatic dramatic actor. But like, nobody's really with him, and I was kind of oh, hey, this is all right. So it's kind of a guilty yeah. pleasure, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> It just gets to a point where it jumps a shark, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, I remember going to the the cinema and then being like, um, "Do I want my money back after watching this film?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyone, any other recommendations? Anything that's not. Um, Jim Carrey going mad let, about a number. Let me just shout out some... We talked about cinematography, didn't we? It's Joel yes. and Kevin mentioned some great cinematography. So I'm just going to list these films. Lust, Caution, Ang Lee. Oh, yes. Underrated Ang Lee. It's a beautiful film. It's quite long, but it's, it's definitely one of his best. It looks amazing. Um, Wong Kar Wai made a film, an English-language film called uh, My Bloomery Nights. Which has got mixed reviews. I, I, I've got some a, like a bit of a crush on this film, mainly because of Nora Jones and her music. But that mm. felt amazing. Like it shot through the windows of this cafe, and we can see the writing on the windows, colours. Beautiful film. And the diving bell and the butterfly, which mm. is probably the most inventive photography of the year, because it's filmed. Half the film is like back and forth. The guy has a stroke. He can only move one eye. And you almost you get his point of view through this through this eye. This it's, it's really hard to explain. If you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. You see you see the blinks and everything, and you try and communicate with 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 a nurse. And he writes his book 
with just the pink in one eye. It's an amazing film, but it's the cinematography. It's just, I don't know how, how they did it, but those three for cinematography uh, are not to be missed. Yeah, and there's something I'm. I'm now that we've sort of spoken about a lot of 2007 films. I'm. It's a theme, or I guess if it's a theme of com, uh, confined spaces, confined spaces, you know, uh, and claustrophobia. Because a lot of these films we've spoken like have been set in one location. You know, uh, 1408's been set in a hotel room. The Mist is set in one location. Mm-hmm. Sunshine is set in pretty much one location you know four months three weeks and, and two days you know you have uh confined spaces yeah, and outside of foreign films and indie films uh back to main, a little bit of mainstream enchanted had an amazing yes. female yeah. protagonist and amy adams is so lovely in that yes i love also, that yeah. also the the orphanage we had belen rueda oh yeah, uh, yeah. as the mother you know, trying to to uh, to uh, sorry to do an orphanage actually, uh, get kids and trying to for people to adopt them. You know, there uh, because she was adopted too. You know, you, you watch the movie. So I just want to because t- uh, Twitter, I asked a few people uh, for their sort of recommendations, and uh, I'm just going to quickly. I can't list them all unfortunately because. We'll be here all night. Uh, I'll just give some shout outs to a few people. Uh, Kate uh, at Captain underscore Hanger um, mentioned Stardust. Uh, She also mentioned Once, uh, Robin, which I know you're a fan of. Yeah, you had a good film. Uh, uh, um, uh, The first podcast mentioned This is England. Oh yeah. Uh, there was, uh, again another another interesting film about masculinity, um, and Hot Rod and Son of Rambo, which are both uh, comedy classics. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love Son of Rambo. It's so good. Um, Darren Lucas mentioned the uh, the Adam Sandler film Rain Over Me, which was probably no. last good Adam Sandler film. It all went down here. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I apologise if he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> he's not. Um, Marcus uh, mentioned Paranoid Park. Um, I don't know that one. Yeah, Gus Van Sant. Yeah, skateboard. Friend. Oh yeah. Oh that one. Nice. And uh, Colby uh, Max mentioned Black Snake Moan. Oh wow. Oh wow. Christina Ricci and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good good year for him. He was doing all sorts. I mean, he's always in a lot of Every films. Every year is a good year for yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. He always has work. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, Max uh, Borg mentioned a funeral. Um, uh, the original I... version, right? The, yes. the British one? Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah, there's only a one good version of that film. And <laughs> <laughs> we always do it. We always do it better first. first it's true. Time round. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. I ha- I agree. I w- I watched both versions and yeah, I'm going with the British one. Thanks. Sorry, American version. So uh, sorry. You could uh, have better. Yeah. You. Could, I mean, uh, but still, both versions had Peter Dinklage in, and I was happy with that because yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's great. 
Um, so thanks for everyone um, on Twitter uh, responding as always. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, so, Kevin, where can we find you and your work? Oh, uh, right now I am writing for Film Inquiry, www.filminquiry.com. Uh, recently this month I've been writing a lot of Godzilla material, and uh, that's pretty much what my Twitter profile has been surrounding, uh, focusing on. But uh, I put out my review for King of the Monsters, I'm going to go back to normal. We're watching all kinds of stuff. <laughs> nice. Uh, and Robin, where can you find us? Um, well, filmotomy.com. Uh, you can find me at filmotomy on Twitter, usually. Um, Bianca, I believe you're at cineb2, is it? Yep. yep. Uh, Bianca also has an email now, a new email. Tell us about the new email. Yeah, a new email. Uh, it's Bianca uh, at filmotomy.com. So if you want to email me uh, just to say hello, uh, uh, you can. I won't necessarily reply. I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, email in uh, if you want us to talk about anything on the podcast or any anything you want to recommend to us let us know we we really appreciate feedback and of course give us a like and share uh, you can find us on itunes um soundcloud stitcher anywhere else um i'm looking at looking at doing spotify i think that's quite a big one now so hopefully we'll get on spotify as well because i think that's where people look podcasts now that's like this week's trend so oh that go. sounds cool yeah and uh, I just want to give uh, a special mention to Robin's really great uh, on YouTube of sort of going like a sort of celebration of 2007, which is our current rewind year. So Based on the votes of all new people on Twitter, loads of people voted. And I put it all together, that's, what, that's the results. So. And also, guys, if you want us to cover a year um, in film, we want to hear from you. That's it. Anything else that we need to say? No, just check out our content on 2007's books. You know, just enjoy it, because we're enjoying writing about it. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither while they pass, they slip away across the universe.